Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The economic reality of the coronavirus crisis is ugly no matter where you're viewing it from. This week, as we head toward Memorial Day weekend and a summer unlike any we have ever lived, we sat down with two Jersey Shore business owners, one big, one small, to get a sense of what they're feeling. It was as if 12 restaurants had burned to the ground and we had no insurance. That's the actual effect of what happened. And now, as we face down the start of the region's summer tourist season... Well, (laughs) I don't think anyone knows what to expect. This is 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and our focus in this discussion is down the Jersey Shore. But the same issues are affecting businesses from Montauk to Mystic, from Rye to the Rockaways. We sat down with the founder and managing partner of McLoon's Restaurants, a fixture in Monmouth County and beyond. Since the COVID crisis, Tim McLoon shut down his one dozen restaurants in the middle of March to stop the bleeding laying off 700 employees, hoping to give them an early shot at unemployment. This past week, he's begun to hire some of them back as he pokes his head out, anticipating some kind of reopening in New Jersey. But first, meet Mark Cohen. If you've ever been to Long Beach Island along the Jersey Shore, you've likely been to his restaurant. It's called The Chicken or the Egg in the town of Beach Haven. It's part of the fabric of summer family fun on LBI. Our Peter Haskell with Mark Cohen. We're looking at the start of a summer season, which I suspect is nothing like you've ever seen. What do you expect with the start of the summer season this weekend? Well, (laughs) I don't think anyone knows what to expect. Um, I do know that the governor opened the beaches, uh, and uh, barring bad weather, I think people will come down they they've been coming uh it's been busier than normal for this time of the year for the past several weeks and i i don't expect that trend to change any for this weekend what will be different is obviously we're takeout only 
curbside only. So it, uh, we're not going to have the, the, the usual chaos. It'll be a new type of chaos. This was the first season you decided to be open during the winter. It sounds like that really was a fortuitous decision. You've got a little bit of a head start on this. Absolutely. Yeah, being open during the winter helped us prepare for this situation because we were already up and running. I imagine that if we weren't and if we opened up at our normal time, which is usually right around Easter or the beginning of April, uh, we would have been way behind the eight ball. What have you been able to learn? What have you been able to do since this pandemic started and you had a transition? Well, what have we learned? I I guess what we've learned is that uh, the power of of uh, the internet is what we've learned. We we never had online ordering, but as a result of the increased takeout orders, because obviously lack of dining room people are getting takeout instead. And it's not I wouldn't say it's every person that that would would have dined in is now dining out, but I'd say it's a it's a large percentage of those people. So the pressure it placed on our phones by calling and doing takeout orders and not being able to take walk-in orders because of the congestion issues. Uh, when we opened up our online ordering, it was it was amazing to see the response. So we're now, yeah, you know, so we're probably 75 to 80 percent of our orders are coming in online as opposed to being called in, which is more traditional. What does that mean to you, having had a head start heading into Memorial Day and then eventually into July? Well, if, if it stays status quo, if the dining rooms don't open or if we're at a very reduced capacity, we're in a position to be able to be efficient during a time when probably a lot of places that are just getting open haven't learned their new ropes yet. You know, So I think we're an advantage over some of the competition. That being said, I wish everybody well. I hope everybody has a, a smashing, very smooth weekend, but I, you know, I fear that that's not going to be the case because it 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 was a very rough transition for us. But now we're I think we're over the hump. Um, but uh, but going forward, I, I I anticipate a lot smoother uh, smoother travel. So describe your business now. Before people would come in, they'd sit down. What percentage of people would take out? And describe what it's like in the kitchen trying to prepare those orders and get them out the door. Sure. Uh, we used to do around 30% of our overall business was takeout. Um, during the dinner hour, it was closer to 50%, but overall we're, we run about 30% takeout. Obviously now that's 100%. So it, it, it forces a, uh, a change in the kitchen, the way we, the way we do things, the way we produce things, because we were, we were prepared. We already had a takeout station per se. Our cooks are used to, you know, looking at the difference between an in-house ticket and, an, and a to-go ticket. The boxes are there, the, you know, the mise en place, as they say in the industry. Everything was in place. But now we've, we've been forced to expand that. Uh, we've actually created two, uh, two uh, stations where everything is packed up to go because there's just not enough physical space for all those orders and all those boxes to be placed. So it, it's caused us to sort of uh, grow our kitchen um, a bit. How much of a challenge is that going to be come summertime? Well, I think the challenge is going to be when the dining rooms do open and we have some decisions to make because right now we utilize our dining room as a staging area for the massive quantities of takeout boxes and takeout bags. Uh, so when that changes, we're going to have to find a balance between 
heavy takeout and heavy dining room. At what percentage of capacity does that work? How many tables do you have? And if you're at 50%, can right. you make it work? I think at 50%, it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. Anything less than that, I don't think it's worth it because it would just, it, it interrupts the flow of one aspect of the business. So it's, it's a trade-off. You're either going to be good at takeout or you're going to be good at dine-in. But to have the massive amount of takeout that's been coming in and to have that interrupted with the dining uh, orders could could really cause havoc. But I think if you can seat enough people to take the pressure off of the takeout, then we'll be able to find that balance. But honestly, we're going to play it day by day and see. And every day will be a new a new lesson learned and we will adapt and overcome as we always have. You talk about seating enough people. Do you have any sense whether people are going to want to dine in? Well, if any of the other states are in any indication, like Florida or some of the southern states that have already opened up, I think the answer is yes. I think there's a fair amount of people who are ready to move forward with their lives, regardless of the consequences. Um, that being said, we, we're we not anxious to put our own employees at risk either. So... It's going to be interesting to see what happens, um, but I think the only way that we that we would be willing to move forward is if we could do so in a safe manner that protects our customers and our and our employees. There's been talk in a lot of places of trying to set up outdoor seating, either on sidewalks and streets. Mm-hmm. Based on your location, is that feasible? And has there been talk of that there? Yeah, there's been discussions um, as of right now, and and again, things change by the minute. But as of now, Beach Haven is not extending any um, any exceptions to the to the outdoor seating rule. So as of now, nothing is has been done. Nothing's changed. They're they are following the directive of the governor. Uh, some other townships are are taking their own lead and and making their own decisions about how to handle outdoor seating and they are allowing it or creating some sort of special rules around it, Beach Haven has not done that yet. If uh, Beach Haven was to get creative and create outdoor spaces, sort of like, um, I don't know, like a cafeteria-type spaces outside, close down a street or two where, you know, to, to, to vehicle traffic and just make it pedestrian traffic alone, we can almost do a cafeteria-style situation where we would, people would get takeout and they would take it out and be able to sit somewhere outside in the sun, enjoying the weather, enjoying the island, without having to be inside in the in the dining rooms. So that that could that could serve as a as a possible uh, solution for a while. I guess you think that's a good idea. It, I think it can be a good idea if it's done well. There's there's you know there's always two sides to every uh, to every story. So I imagine if I lived on a residential street and all of a sudden there's tables in front of my house, I'm not going to be thrilled. Based on the takeout business that you've established now, do you think you can make more money this year the way it is now, or is it going to be less than you typically do? Oh, it'll be less. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you say that so definitively? <laughs> I'm certain we'll do less, because the numbers already already show that. We, we're doing a lot better than I thought we would do, but we're not we're not where we would be if we had the dining room. So you get X number of people in the dining room, and mm-hmm. they linger, they spend time. If mm-hmm. people are showing up at your door and picking up, 
can you turn over more meals? Or oh, sure. Yeah, in, in a shorter period of time, you can get a lot of meals out because they're not they're not lingering. But remember that we weren't only dine-in. We were dine-in and takeout. So we coupled our full dining room with, with, with takeout orders. So right now, you're, you're, it's just takeout. And the tendency of people is to stay home. A lot of people are ordering out, but those people that were dine-in customers, they're not all strictly coming in for takeout. So you are, we're just, you're just losing a number of customers, period. It's just the, the math just it's it is what it is. There's we're at we're at probably two thirds of what we should be doing. Tell me about employees. Which is which is okay. Um, you know, because we're we obviously aren't spending the labor because we don't have the front of the house staff. Um, but our overall volume is is obviously down and it and it I'm sure it will continue to be down. So I wanted to ask you about employees next. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you've had in the past and what do you expect this summer? Well, I, the scary part is that we haven't actively hired front-of-the-house staff yet because we don't know what to expect. But frankly, it's it's a little difficult because they're, they're not highly motivated right now because they're collecting a nice unemployment check, um, especially with the, with the subsidy. So uh, right now they're fine. They're they're in. They're on a holding pattern, but they're ready to go. I guess I'm just curious about you. you have X number of people who are seating people and taking orders and clearing tables. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the number do you need to gather the food together, collect it, bring it out to the sidewalk? So it's it, believe it or not, it's similar in numbers. It, when, when our dining room is functioning, we'll have six servers on. Uh, there'll be five hosts, uh, two of which are strictly taking takeout orders, two of which are seating, and one is cashing checks. Uh, then there's then there's a busboy, and there's two food runners running food out. So, and then on top of that, we've got our takeout going. So we've got a takeout packers, takeout runners, um, and and then on top of that, a, just a manager who basically floats and solves problems so now instead of instead of those numbers we've got uh, essentially three phone order takers uh, and we we beefed up to seven order takers for the weekend uh, that'll be by a register ready to answer the phones to take out orders uh, of those seven people uh, we've got three of which are ready to go to answer the phone for when people are arriving to pick up their order. Uh, then you've got four takeout packers instead of our normal two on a busy night. So we've got four people just not cooking it, but just finishing the orders, putting them in bags, uh, labeling them, getting them ready to go out to the uh, to the dining room where they get, then get staged by another runner. Uh, that then there's four people. Running food outside, back and forth, scanning the scanning the staging area for tickets that are have been called in, and we've been alerted that the customer is ready. Then they get run out to the customer. So it's quite a, it's quite an operation. So we while we while we scaled back on some of the staffing um, for the front of the house, we've added we've had to add more to compensate to make sure that if if people were coming in to pick up their food, we could do it with probably four less people. But because we have, because we're doing curbside, it adds labor. 
You survived Superstorm Sandy. You had a tremendous amount of water at your restaurant. Is there a way to compare what you were up against then to what you're up against now? Um, yeah, I, I guess it is totally different, but they're both they both represent their own challenges. In a way, Sandy was easier in that it came and it went. The damage was done. We knew what we had to do to get up and running. We had to gut, repair, rebuild, open up. So we don't know from day to day what tomorrow is going to bring. We, you know, there's this, this enemy is is not as finite. There's just no there's no one answer. Sandy was devastating, but we, we knew the task ahead of us, and we just you know we just did it. This is this is a wait and see every day. What do you hear from other restaurants and other businesses on the island? Are they going to be able to give it a go? And what do you think it's going to be like? I think so. You know, we're not the only the only business on the island that is successful and run by good people. And so I think anyone that wants to succeed will succeed. They'll, they'll figure it out. Up the Jersey Shore, Tim McClune's restaurants dot the short towns of Monmouth County. Seabright, Long Branch, Asbury Park, and more. Tim is a well-known personality around these parts, businessman, musician, and more. His restaurants are more fine dining with a casual vibe. Turning his locations into all takeout has been more of a challenge, something he's just started this past week. We did to go initially from a few places, but it was not sustainable. We went until we were out of food, basically. We didn't reorder because one of the things that people don't talk about with this in the restaurant industry is that we all, in the wintertime, get carried financially by our vendors. You know, normal dating is something comes into the place, you got to pay for it in 30 days. Well, in the winter, particularly in a seasonal area, your vendors might say, okay, 60 days is good, 90 days is good. Tim, you've been around for 33 years. We know you always zero it out, so... We'll work, you know, they work with you. Well, here we are in the middle of March and all of a sudden zero revenue. So that means we're not paying our food and beverage vendors either. So uh, we basically sold everything or gave away to the local food bank Fulfill and uh, Lunch Break and Red Bank, some employees, and we just shut everything down. Um, So about 10 days ago, reading the tea leaves, and the governor saying that it was okay to do to go everywhere and you know pick up and all that. We decided to start back. Uh, we took the PPP funds, which are definitely a uh, double-edged sword because of the restrictions on them, what you have to do to get forgiveness, how quickly you have to pay it back. I personally believe that those rules will be loosened as they go, but right now it's not sustainable to try and do a business based on PPP funds. I'm grateful that we got them. I know a lot of people were not able to access it, but there's also a very large number of people who said, you know what, this isn't necessarily a good idea. It's a loan if you don't get to full employment, and of course, we're in the all-time catch-22. We're not allowed to open, so how do we get to full employment? We can't, So, but we decided to take the money because it bought us a few months, and I'm still hopeful that there will be adjustments made. Uh, so last week, we opened up seven places. Um, to do to go. It's a totally, in our world, to go was growing a little bit. You could see it coming. You know, certainly in a thing like New York City, it, it was a major, major industry. 
But in our world, in the suburbs, uh, you know, it was there, but it was less than 2% of what we do. And now it's 100% of what we do. So we had to pivot and figure out how to do this. You know, how do you design a menu that the food travels well when you realize it's not going to be consumed for maybe up to half an hour after you made it? Uh, even 20 minutes is, you know, try to figure out how to serve French fries. That's like, <laughs> that's one of the biggest problems we have. Everybody wants French fries with a burger. Well, the burger does fine, but the French fries, you know, they get limp. So we've been working on that. We do a better job with the fries now. But, um, you know, we had to pivot and see, well, what do people really want from us? You know, I don't know that they want the kind of upscale dining that we were providing. Um, I mean, we always refer to it as upscale casual, but it was upscale nonetheless. And are people looking for a filet mignon or are they looking for a burger? So um, we're pivoting. Our, we were just having a discussion with my son about eight minutes ago about the idea of adding more pastas because we all know pastas, pastas taste as good cold sometimes and you'll eat them the next day out of the refrigerator. So uh, I think we're going to need to pivot over to doing more of the pasta than we're doing now. So do you remember um, the day that you had to make the decision to, uh, to shut down? Uh, what was it in March? Yeah, well, we're, we're not, even though I am Irish, we're not a particularly St. Patrick's Day oriented business, but it was the day before St. Patrick's Day, which provides a little bit of irony. It was March 16th. And when I got up on that day, it was as if I've said this before, it was as if 12 restaurants had burned to the ground and we had no insurance. That's, the actual effect of what happened. A couple of days later, we laid off 700 people. And the 700 people who work for us at this time of year are really the lifers, the ones who do it, you know, basically as a year-round occupation, not the summer hires. And we felt, although it was painful, the best thing we could do for them was to get them online for unemployment right away because you could see where it was going that the system was going to get overrun. And not only that, but there was every indication, and it's turned out to be true, that for many of our employees, they made more money on unemployment than they did when they were employed by us because of that $600 kicker the government put in, um, which was a great thing for them. It creates a problem now in terms of your labor force, because now what? When you ask people to come back and you're asking them to take a pay cut, in essence, you know, we're, we're a strange breed, the restaurant people, the hospitality people. We miss each other. And I mean, a lot of offices, different places would say that too. But I think it's somewhat unique in the hospitality industry. We're in the hospitality industry. We like people. I've heard it said but that the food industry is the lifeblood of, of America. I mean, I mean, look at the tentacles of where the food comes from. Look at the, the connection to the tourist industry. It's a pretty big one to have this uh, crisis, don't you think? Well, I've seen any number of statistics about it, um, about how much people spend. But think about it, Tim, if you and I wanted to do some sort of a, a business thing together or we had to talk, we would most likely say, hey, why don't we go to that cafe around the corner and I'll meet you at noon. We'll have lunch. It, it's tied to it. It's, I mean, biologically, we all need to eat a certain amount of calories every day to, to live but we have managed sociologically to tie it into that conviviality part where you want to be with other people when you're eating. You don't want to eat alone and if you can avoid it. And so it all worked out together. And the tentacles, you're absolutely right. I mean, the implications of this are humongous. The same thing goes with 
with sports and special events. Like I read an article today talking about live entertainment. We have a place, I apologize that it's named after me, but (laughs) Tim McLoon's Supper Club. And it's a small venue that can seat and stand at the most 200 people. And we do really cool shows in there. Some well-known people as well as locals. And it's just the greatest experience. When am I going to get to open that up? The performance venues have joined together. I believe there's 1,400 of them that have hired on a, a, a firm to represent them in Congress and to try and see if there could be any relief for theaters. I mean, there was an article today about Broadway. When's Broadway going to open? They're talking about September maybe, but I think that's kind of dreaming. And what if Broadway can only open to every third seat? How are you going to do that? Even in my club, if they said, well, you can have 50 people instead of 200. Well, I guess that means I'm doing solos. But I said from the beginning of this thing, I thought the last people to open up would be movie theaters, clubs, and bars. And maybe the fall, but but, but clearly not the summer, I think, yeah. at least not inside. And, and We believe that we're going to get outside dining in New Jersey um, uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. I think, that, I think what uh, Governor Murphy is doing is you know, letting the string out a little bit every day. Uh, and so, you know, they took golf. You don't have to be a, a, a two anymore. You can be a foursome. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, but I get it. You know, they're doing bits and pieces, and I, I think they want to see how people behave on the beaches and on the boardwalk and the rest of it before they start a, and on pickup and all that, before they allow anything. There's a lot of movement afoot to be creative about outside dining that uh, even the towns where we have uh, restaurants are talking about expanding our footprint. That, Like in Seabright, where the rum runner is, that we could uh, seat people in our parking lot, uh, if we so chose. We, we actually have a water view on the parking lot level, but because of Sandy, our first floor is 14 feet up. So nobody gets seated on the ground level, but maybe we would now, um, if that's allowed. Because if we're going to lose, like, let's say that said, well, you can seat outside, but can you only have 50% of your previous capacity? Well, what if you double the number of tables? If you double the square footage, you know, that you're covering, you can have the same number of tables. They just have to be in a larger space. Makes sense. It, it, it does. Do you um, get a sense that, well, let me ask you this. Uh, what do the shore locations look like now that, that you're, you know, Long Branch, you already mentioned Seabright, Asbury Park, um, is there much activity? Nothing's open in any of these places, right? Uh, no, we're, well, we're doing to-go. We're doing curbside and to-go. And but, we're doing grab-and-go when people walk down the boardwalk, the two places that are on the boardwalk, three places on the boardwalk, rather. Um, we're almost like a 7-Eleven now. <laughs> it's like, um, you, can, you can purchase stuff right there. Because uh, so, we had a restriction before that all the orders had to be done over the phone. Uh, but now they're allowed to walk up. You were a big part of the um, effort to to save the shore and save businesses along the shore after Sandy. Um, how does this feel compared to that? No comparison. Um, I think that there was a similar reaction at first. Um, I have to admit that you know everybody who knows me knows that I'm an extremely positive person and I'm always optimistic and all that. The the story I tell. It was when I was a little boy, when I was either four or five years old, I was going to get to go see my first baseball game. And I'm old enough that it was going to be at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. (laughs) And my brother, who was an older brother, it was raining like crazy. And we're both pinned against the window. 
in the morning. And my brother says, oh, just my luck. I knew it was going to rain today. And I turned and said to my father, I think it's clearing up. <laughs> it was not clearing up. Um, and I brought that positivity and optimism into everything that I do. And But with Sandy, the storm left. You were, and it was, it took me two to three weeks to sort of get over the shock of it um, because we actually lost one restaurant and went into the river, the Rum Runner, and other ones were severely damaged and we were closed everywhere for a while. And, you know, we were stuck in our house. We didn't have electricity. We were one of the last ones around here. We got electricity 15 days later. Um, in retrospect, that seems sort of like a nothing compared to this because of the invisible future. We don't know. Is there going to be a second surge? Are people going to behave? Is it going to go away? Um, are people going to return to our industry and other industries? Are they going to go to the movie theater? Are they going to go back to Broadway? Um, you know, there's a lot of indications that the older you are, the more concerned you are. Um, and who goes to Broadway? And who goes to some of my restaurants? Uh, we have some restaurants that are 50 and over clientele. What do you think the Jersey Shore is going to be like this summer? We're going to be in unsustainable financial shape. We are not going to, I'm absolutely certain, no matter what happens here, we are not going to be able to do the numbers we've done in the past. And the margins in the restaurant industry, which everybody talks about, if you do a great job, you can net to the bottom line, to my investors, you can net 10 to 12%. Um, we, if we're doing an outrageous job this summer, maybe we do 50% of our normal business. Maybe. Well, that takes care of that 10 to 12%. There will be no 10 to 12%. The question will be, can we survive at 50%? Uh, do we have to lay off people again? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I hope not. We are now for any of restaurants that are like ours, um, that are kind of upscale dining. You have very expensive chefs. You have expensive managers. You know, if a if one of the buildings does seven million dollars in a year, it would stand to reason that your executive chef is going to make six figures, and so is your general manager, because the the building demands it and deserves it. Um, what if that building is now doing two million dollars? That means we can't pay that chef that kind of money or that manager. So do we lay them off? Do we hire different people? Do they take huge pay cuts? These are the imponderables that everybody's going to have to deal with over the next few months when they realize that they're not going to get there. I think the places that will survive it, there may be a return to literally ma and pa restaurants where either ma or pa is doing the cooking and the other one's out front, you know, and they've got a couple of kids working for them, and that's what they do. I wouldn't be surprised at all to hear that pizzerias may be doing better because they already figured out to go and they figured out delivery, you know, and I would think that their business has gone up. I would think. Having been in the experience of Sandy, do you see the government coming in and paying some of these uh, restaurants to help feed people who are in need in our communities over the course of the next, however many months or year that now, we have to do this? Question. And there's been, some of that is already taking place. There's a, a group here called Fulfill that is the, it used to be called the Monmouth and Ocean County Food Bank. And what's happened, what they, and they, they're like a, uh, sort of like a regional supplier of soup kitchens. And, and of course, some soup kitchens have closed down because they can't get volunteers even to come in to do it. And so the pressure on Fulfill has been much heavier 
the former lieutenant governor in New Jersey, Kim Guadagno, actually took over the executive director job there a while ago. They have a program that we participated in in the beginning, and we're back on it now, where we provide uh, 200 meals to one soup kitchen up in Keensburg. We provide 500 dinners someplace else, and we get paid $5 for each of those meals. Now, the $5 doesn't cover it, but it is a program that makes it easier for us to do it. We're not just giving away. So if we can do it on a break-even level, um, we can help. That's probably what you're talking about, and I think it's been successful so far for them. And I think that would be a great program if that would be a nationally recognized thing. I don't know where Fulfill got the funding, but they did to do this program. And they enlisted a whole bunch of other restaurants down here. There's a guy that owns a group called Turning Point. And he's got a, a 20-something outlets, and he's been in it from day one. And I think it made it makes all of us feel better that, you know, I've delivered the food sometimes to some of the soup kitchens. I just put it in my van and I go. Um, it makes you feel good about it that you're at least, you know, participating on some level. And, you know, if there's a little bit of money to pay for it, that's great. Best of luck to Mark Cohen and Tim McClune. Jersey strong for sure. Our thanks to Peter Haskell for his work this week. This is 880 In-Depth. Subscribe to the weekly podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search WCBS 880 In-Depth. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.